0: now and then when i see spoiler alert when this podcast talks about game of thrones on hbo it talks in the context of the most recently aired episode and when it talks a song of ice and fire books it talks in the context of the most recently released book by george R. r martin you've been warned Hello, hello, and welcome to the very first edition of Game of Thrones, Matt's audio blog. That's Matt's audio blog, Game of Thrones style. Naturally, I'm Matt, and I want to welcome you to this, uh, what do they call these in the business now, Uh, a, quote, placeholder edition of the podcast. Back when I started podcasting in 2009, they were still calling it an introduction podcast. I guess we need new verbiage. Uh, We always need new terms to keep things fresh and exciting when we've really just been saying the same things all of the time. But basically what this podcast is, is an introduction, as I said, to myself uh, and this cast. I'm going to tell you what our concept for this podcast is. I'm going to tell you a little bit about me, yada, yada, yada. And then, of course, finally, I'm going to beg you to subscribe to this podcast to rate it and uh, to write reviews for it or whatever in whatever podcast app that you're using, uh, to help promote us across whatever social medias that you have. Again, yada, yada, yada. But before I get into all of that stuff, I do want to thank Scott Bradley. It's his band, Postmodern Jukebox. I want to thank them for this amazing version of Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. That's their version. You'll also hear a little bit of it at the end of the show. And in every podcast where I have music going on, then I will, of course, uh, give proper credit in the show notes so that you can go and check out these bands themselves. Uh, As far as this tune, uh, the Guns N' Roses stuff, let's see, when Guns N' Roses came out with this big hit, I think I, I was either in my last year of high school or my first year of college. Uh, I was young. I was just absolutely full of unmeasured and, and quite frankly, uninformed opinions. And uh, you know, I really feel like that—that that Scott is a genius at taking some of these songs from from my wild and unbridled youth. And he's just flat out flipping them on their ears stylistically to make them more enjoyable even for me now as I grow older to hear these tunes in a new way. Um, I want you to be sure to check out Postmodern Jukebox uh, when you get a chance. Uh, they're touring as well. We try and catch them live. That's the best way to support a musician. I should know uh, because I am a musician myself. More on that in a little bit. But Scott is just an absolutely great pianist. He's a fantastic arranger. And I guess just a second ago, I mentioned my unmeasured and kind of uninformed youth uh, in regards to, uh, you know, how this uh, song brings back those memories for me. Hopefully, though, that kind of uh, attitude is not what you're going to get from this show. I mean, if you're looking for that, great. I, I love um, to make fun of a good hot take podcast. All of the time, uh, I'm not here to give you hot takes. I'm just here to analyze how we feel about the characters in this show, how an episode makes us feel, uh, how a book makes us feel. We're not just going to be covering the television show on HBO because it's nearing its last season. Um, And I've covered Game of Thrones for a long time for another podcast. Again, more on that in just a minute. But I kind of have grown tired to the whole theory stuff, especially when things aren't even theories. They're really more or less guesses with nothing to actually support them. And so uh, I just want to react to this last season. I want to take it all in. I want to drink it in. Um, and uh, hopefully in a positive way, maybe in a negative way. Um, but in order to build myself up to that point of uh, the season eight, which will be coming sometime in 2019, still quite a ways away, we're going to rewatch all of Game of Thrones and we'll be doing two episodes a week until we uh, see at least through the first six seasons. Not sure if I'm going to rewatch the seventh season simply because. Uh, that's the most recent season, but we'll see uh, if we have time before season eight comes back, then we'll do that. But two episodes a week, you're going to be getting. And if you have any feedback for the podcast, you can feel free to uh, send any of that to Matt's audio blog at com. That's M-A-T-T-S audio blog at com, And I will share after we conclude each season Like after I finish season one, I'll do a feedback podcast regarding anything season one or anything else that you want to talk about. Because as you heard in the spoiler alert at the front, uh, we talk about things in the context of the most recent episode or the most recent book. So um, if you're not caught up, once again, you may want to not go into that. You can also contact me, Matt's Game of Thrones blog at gmail.com. But the easiest one to remember is Matt's Audio Blog at gmail.com and uh, mattsaudioblog.com is the place where you can find links to all of the podcasts that I've done in the past or I'm currently doing uh, it's kind of a compendium of all things that are Matt Cast, so to speak and I've done quite a few since 2009 I first started with a podcast called Keys to Lost, where I covered uh, not just the story of the television show Lost, but the music of Lost, and a little bit about that right now. I am a professional musician. I have been since 1991. Well, even a little before that, I worked my way through college, uh, partially doing uh, music as well, and I received a degree Uh, in jazz studies performance on saxophone actually from Webster University in St. Louis, Missouri graduated in 1991 and I continued to make my living playing although I've shifted from the saxophone in 1991 uh, grunge was coming up Uh, ska was about the only place you could work and the only band that was a ska band uh, was the urge and they kind of actually already had their horn players so there was no getting in on that game Um, and even the wedding bands and everything, uh, the horn stuff was limited. If you could play keyboard and you could play the horn parts on it, they'd much rather have that. And naturally we have to take a piano proficiency in college. And so I just kind of adapted and went on the fly and taught myself all of the extra stuff about piano. And by the early two thousands, um, I was touring, uh, sometimes nationally, sometimes internationally with different artists, uh, I've had my hand in a couple of country hits as well with a great uh, songwriter by the name of Curtis Lance. We've written a couple of things for a couple of people. Not here to plug that. Uh, I make plenty of money off of that on on its own. Also, I have toured and played with some great names, people that you young folks All you young'uns out there that have already about to turn this podcast off because I'm just too old for you because I know who Guns N' Roses is and you've never even heard of them. Anyway, uh, for you older folks like myself, you may remember names like Little Milton Campbell and Ernie Isley. I played with them both extensively. Um, I played with uh, James Armstrong, with Hamilton Loomis. Both of those guys are huge blues guys. I've played with Grammy nominee John Primer. Um, I've had a a great career as a musician and uh, at the age of 48 uh, I feel quite secure in what I do in that respect but you might know me from other podcasts if you're listening to me uh, and my voice sounds familiar. Um, In 2009 I dipped my toes into the podcasting waters so to speak with the podcast covering the television show lost again it was called keys to lost um we covered the last season of the television show it was myself and another musician leslie sanazaro and i talked about the uh scoring i analyzed the scoring of michael giacchino because that kind of gave us a, a special little unique twist um that other lost podcasts weren't doing and uh, because of my expertise, it made it pretty easy. I've had classes in film scoring and such. And so I know what composers are trying to do in order to elicit emotion from you uh, with their scores. And, and knowing those right sequences of notes um, it makes it easy for me to communicate to you how just the writing or just the acting or just the directing isn't everything. Um, there, there's a reason we have music scores, and that's to help accentuate the emotion, which is what I am all about. I I need something to make me feel something much more than I need it to make me, you know, think or, or to be a puzzle for me to solve. I'm not part of the Tumblr generation. I don't try to overanalyze things. I just say, is it good? And let that be enough of a standard for myself. Uh, But I've also podcasted about other things, everything from like Doctor Who to Supernatural, um, covering all of the different Sorkin TV shows, um, History Channel's Vikings, uh, all of the CW superhero shows. And uh, I was doing a whole bunch of podcasts at one point uh, at the same time. But my crowning achievement in podcasting uh, was actually related to Game of Thrones. Uh, In 2012, early 2012, before Season 2 hit... Uh, I started a podcast um, that basically will be covering the same material that we have here, although I will be uh, adding my new slants on it uh, as I've grown older and looked at things in a different perspective because I was pretty green in regards to Game of Thrones and A Song of Ice and Fire when I first started this podcast. Um, We're going to be doing a lot of things um, that is hopefully more nuanced than my days at A podcast called Podcast Winterfell. I started that podcast and uh, my music career was so successful because I'm sure now you're saying, well, why are you starting another Game of Thrones podcast if you already had Podcast Winterfell? My music career was going so successfully, I just wasn't going to be able to keep up with the television show and keep a regular amount of good content coming out. Um, to keep the podcast going. So I have several friends from my lost podcasting days that have kind of started their own network called, uh, the DVR Podcast Network. Um, you can catch that at dvrpodcast.com. And I looked at them and I said, hey, do you want to take over this podcast, even host it and everything? Um, and they were like, yeah, sure, we'll take it over. So they now own podcast Winterfell and they'll do a great job at it. If you do like the hot takes or the theories and that kind of stuff, they've got a lot of that good stuff going on. They've also, uh, you know, I, I will probably continue to to be a part of that off and on a little bit. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll just have to see how my schedule allows me to do so for them as we go forward. Um, But uh, I just really, once I let go of Podcast Winterfell, when I decided to get back into podcasting, uh, it didn't feel right to just try and snatch it back from those guys. I mean, they've worked really hard and put out some great content over the course of Season 7. So it was very good uh, just to let them continue to have Podcast Winterfell and its audience. And I'm trying to uh, hopefully some of those people that are from that audience will come over here and listen to this podcast and will hopefully, you know, stick around, uh, listen to both podcasts. That's what the the hope, the big hope is, is that, uh, you know, I get their audience and uh, they don't lose any of their audience, you know, that way everybody's happy. Um, but uh, why did I start this other podcast well, uh, I had been busy touring and everything, uh, but there were a couple of things that happened to me in the last few months. Uh, for one thing, I found that being on the road uh, started to cause a problem with me in regards to chemical dependency. Not so much drugs, uh, although of course alcohol is a drug, but I developed a, a, a rather unhealthy relationship with alcohol uh, as touring. And uh, At the time, I was touring with a band called the James Armstrong Blues Band. I am no longer with that band because I had to leave in order to get myself right. And I don't have any intention of touring anymore because I found out that that's part of one of my triggers. Um, So I'm still doing the songwriting. I'm still playing locally. I'm making more than enough money doing that as opposed to to touring and all of that. Um, But the main reason that I have time to podcast right now Uh, and will continue to have time to podcast, is because I need something to exercise my lungs. Back in January of this year, uh, I was admitted on the 23rd of January to the hospital uh, with a B strain of the flu, and that also developed into the MRSA pneumonia. Um, On January 24th, I, I, I wasn't breathing right. They had to put me on a vent. They had to airlift me. Uh, Well, I think the actual order, because I was unconscious during all of this. I don't remember any of it. But uh, sometime on the 24th, I was airlifted to a hospital uh, in a different place, a more advanced hospital. I spent seven days on a vent under sedation while uh, doctors were, I think, putting as many as eight drips on me, I'm told. Um, And I came very close to dying. Um, Fortunately, there wasn't any brain damage or anything like that. But uh, there were several times where just uh, I was touch and go. Um, and so I damn near died from pneumonia. Uh, I'm still on oxygen right now and that's where I'm getting to. I need to do things where I'm talking and breathing partially just to get my, uh, lung capacity back up. Now don't get me wrong. My oxygens are still running about 97, 98%. Um, but it doesn't take a whole lot for me to get down to 93 and 92. And of course, once you get down to 88, then you're in real trouble. So that's what the big concern is for the doctors. They're like, well, do a lot of talking, you know, you, know, you got to use the muscles in order to, to get through and, and the pneumonia won't be clearing for a couple months. Um, in the meantime, I, I have lots of spare time to pre-record a bunch of my thoughts about season one, season two, season three, so that there's plenty of content going forward. Um, and then taking the time to get your feedback in, we'll give you feedback uh, deadlines, um, to get the feedback in for season one or feedback for season two. And then I'll take your feedback and I'll record very quickly a, a feedback and news episode where we're getting news about the, the book, Winds of Winter, hopefully, or uh, about season eight of Game of Thrones. I'll try to make that, divide that up into Spoiler-free and spoiler sections because I know people don't like to be spoiled in regards to news stories regarding the upcoming season, so that'll be pretty easy to do. But at least after every after every season is completed and during my rewatch of Game of Thrones, we will uh, have a place for you to submit feedback, and you can f- submit feedback to me again anytime. Mattsaudioblog at gmail dot com. Or uh, in this particular podcast, you can follow me on Twitter as well. And that's Matt's G-O-T blog. That's Matt's G-O-T blog on Twitter. Um, so uh, that's one of the ways that you can contact me as well, if you have any feedback regarding this podcast. What else? Uh, I guess one thing that you should know is that uh, for the musical analysis um, I may be sub- submitting some of that stuff to Podcast Winterfell if I have time when new episodes come out, but in the meantime, for each and every single television episode uh, that has aired so far, I'll be doing a new, uh, w- what uh, w- I used to call on Podcast Winterfell, Clef Notes, um, and that's basically an analysis of Ramin Djawadi's work on Game of Thrones, the themes. Why certain things make us feel certain ways. Um, why does uh, why does your heart get torn out when you hear this theme? Or why do you get scared when you hear that theme? Um, we'll be doing all of that. Um, so the main thing uh, that you need to know is that uh, there'll be a music analysis, if you're into that, uh, in each and every episode. And We're going to be starting on April 30th. We'll drop on Mondays and Thursdays. I'll give you plenty of heads up as to when a feedback deadline is. And uh, we'll continue to go through all through the first six seasons. If we get to season seven before Game of Thrones season eight returns, then we'll do that one as well. And uh, in the meantime, if you could, please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast and uh, leave it a written review once you've heard an episode. I don't expect anybody to review it. Uh, just based on this uh, quote-unquote placeholder podcast. But uh, when you get a chance, the written reviews really help me stay noticeable. You know, there's about 14 billion Game of Thrones podcasts out there. And the only way I'm going to get noticed by enough people to make it feel like, you know, we're all building a community here together is if you help out. Um, tell a friend. Tell, uh, you know, blast across Twitter. I'm doing all of these obligatory Uh, promotion things and I'm doing them poorly because I've never ever in a single podcast that I've done ever monetized a podcast Uh, and even though it makes it sound like that I'm trying to uh, by asking for reviews and get my noticeability up I just want to have a good community that uh, with people who uh, make suggestions in regards to how to improve this podcast and uh, you know offer their thoughts about the television show or about the books and we will be covering some book stuff if winds of winter anytime it comes out um, we'll probably be adding a third podcast, uh, covering it chapter by chapter, uh, a couple chapters at a time. I don't know when I'll have guests. I hope to have guests. Probably not the kind of guests you really want to hear from, like uh, Carice Van Houten, or Melisandre, or that kind of thing. I won't have the the stars of the show. I don't have that kind of pulling power. They won't listen to me. I'm not big enough to to give them the time of, for them to give me the time of day. Doesn't matter. I still love them all, and I still. Uh, I just, I just want to build a good community, uh, where I hear your thoughts on the show so that maybe you can make me think about some things that I hadn't thought about because we're all experiencing this show together. I won't be offering any hot take theories. I won't be offering anything like that. Again, we'll just be reacting to the show, um, and, uh, talking about the way that, uh, you know, it makes us feel. And uh, in addition, how the music helps us. So again, April 30th, that's our start time. Two episodes a week, Mondays and Thursdays, mattsaudioblog.com. That's M-A-T-T-S audioblog.com is where you can find links to all of my podcasts and contact information as well. Um, There's the link for this particular podcast you'll find right on top You click on it and it goes to mattsgameofthronesblog.wordpress.com or something like that. Not even going to bother with that URL. All you need to know is mattsaudioblog.com. That's the easiest way to find me, to contact me, um, to check out all of the podcasts that I do. And we're going to close out this particular podcast with a uh, musical segment which I don't know what to call, to be perfectly honest. I'm going to Leave the cleft notes for Podcast Wonderfell in case they want me to do a couple of things for season eight over there. Um, But uh, there are a couple of things that I used to do on Podcast Wonderfell that they're not doing that I may include in the feedback, Uh, like three words, describing an episode in three words. But we'll talk more about that when we start to break down the episodes. Uh, In the meantime, uh, I want to give you an example of what kind of musical analysis you're going to be getting, and we're going to be doing of course, just the main theme, the credits theme of Game of Thrones, because what better place to start than the beginning? Thanks again for listening. I'll be right back after the end of this segment in order to wrap things up. Yes, yes, you all know that theme, of course, it's the main theme for our beloved television show. And it's a thing that kind of makes us sit up and get ready for the episode that we're about to see. We take notice at what map locations we're going to see. It fills us with anticipation regarding to who might die this week, or who might live this week, or even who might get together this week. But It's more than just getting us into the Game of Thrones mood that this music achieves. This main theme is really a statement about the story of the struggle and the players within that struggle, within that story. And a little while back, David Collins started his new podcast for the HowStuffWorks.com. It's called The Soundtrack Show. If you're unfamiliar with David Collins' work, he did uh, two years breaking down the music of the Star Wars films in a podcast called Star Wars Oxygen. Uh, which was part of Rebel Force Radio, I believe. And uh, I highly recommend that you go to howstuffworks.com and check out his new podcast, The Soundtrack Show, um, because he does a, a whole lot of great things explaining how music works. I think him and I are about the only two guys that dedicate any real amount of time to how music works in the medium of film or television. And he's really good at it. Um, I like to think that I'm good at it, too, but he's really good at it. Uh, anyway, he went through a whole bunch of themes of movies, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Back to the Future, and he looked at the shape of the melody, what we call the shape of the melody. thats That's the main, you know, tune that you hear throughout, and he broke down... Uh, how the shape, whether the pitches go up or down, or what kind of rhythms they use, how that tells a story and prepares you for the story that you're about to see in a film. For instance, Star Wars with the opening crawl, you know, that big fanfare and everything, and and he does a really good job explaining that. So we're going to actually take a look at the Game of Thrones theme, because I'd never really taken this approach, and we're going to look at that melody, As well, in the same way that Mr. Collins was looking at different ones to see what we can glean about the story, what it's trying to tell us musically, why Ramin chose this particular melody or these particular chords or or harmonies to go along with the main theme. Uh, We're also going to break it down a little bit in terms of how the the instrumentation can make a difference in what you feel about things and how that is telling a story. But before we get into the meat of all of that, uh, let's think about some of the focuses of the TV story itself. It has fantastic elements, of course, like dragons and such, but its focus is mainly on really the failings of characters, how we're all human, the ambiguity that is created by motivation and, and situation. And one of the things that's really interesting is that the whole piece demonstrates that ambiguity. Right at the beginning, you get a little what we call a motif. That means just a little collection of notes um, that repeat throughout the course of a piece of music. Sometimes they bond together to form themes. Sometimes they just work as accompaniment. In this particular case, it is the latter. But this motif that starts at the very beginning of the piece starts out with what we call a minor tonality, meaning that it's kind of a sad or can sometimes be construed as an angry or a scary thing. Um, It's based on this chord. But right before we get into the main melody, it shifts to a major or a happier sounding chord. We call those major chords and minor chords based on the quality of the harmony itself. Again, the minor sounds more sad, more angry, more scary. The major sounds more happy. It's like this. So what am I exactly talking about? Well, I am talking about the very beginning, where first you have this. And then the shifting of one note changes it to major. Again, minor sounds sad, scary, major sounds happier, hopeful. How about that? So by setting up the song with that particular motive where we have minor and major, there's an ambiguity to that. Is this song going to be a happy song? Is this song going to be a sad song? Are we supposed to feel good or bad about a particular character on a particular day? It's that gray area that George R. R. Martin did great with the books And Dave and Dan have done great with the show. And Ramin brings that gray area musically to the stage right at the very beginning. But when we get into the main melody itself, it seems like our hopes get dashed pretty quickly, right? Because that melody returns to the minor sounding chord and all of the accompanying motives, uh, like I just played for you, um, start to stay in the minor mode. But here's the first part of that melody. So the notes are clearly in the minor key, once again, of this melody. This chord right here. So that makes things less hopeful, less happy, uh, scary even, maybe sad. A lot of sad things happen in this show, Uh, so it's no wonder that uh, we choose a minor melody or Ramin chose a minor melody to be the main theme here. So things are pretty bleak once again. And not only that, and here's where we get into a lot of the David Collins analyzing kind of stuff, the shape of the melody, meaning where the pitches are in the melody, the pitches of the tune itself. I mean, if you listen to this melody once again, it starts at its highest point at the very beginning. And then it drops and then it struggles to get back to where it was. And then it falls again. So you start out high for excitement. Then you fall And then you struggle back up, then you fall, and you struggle again, and you fall again. Though not quite as low. So it's almost like we took a step forward, but it was a real struggle to get there, and we're still not where we were at the beginning. So things are kind of bad. And that tells us that our characters are going to suffer tribulations that nothing is going to come easy for anyone that you simply just can't soar into the sky because you are quote unquote the hero in this story and the next phrase uh, the notes dip even lower in pitch than the first one again it's like that one step forward and two steps back thing and that's a very human thing it's, it's like, hey, wait a minute, we're not climbing here, we're actually sinking. And it says a lot about this show. Think about some of the plots in this show and how they demonstrate that the same kind of pattern from the past repeating, but uh, ending in a lower position bef- than before. I mean, history repeating itself and making things even worse is basically what uh, George does in the books and Dave and Dan do in the show itself Uh, it's it's a theme that if you apply the history and lore sections from the blu-rays you can really see how struggles for power distract from even more pressing outside issues Uh, the war of the five kings has been distracting from the white walker threat Um, it's very similar to the inner struggle for power within the targaryen family during the dance of dragons Uh, check out the season five blu-rays for that story How, you know, that conflict led to the lack of fully grown dragons because they ended up killing all of their fully grown dragons by fighting amongst themselves. Um, The struggle for power distracted from the fact that the dragons in captivity weren't developing to full size. Uh, Internal conflict distracting important realizations about the external conflict. That's something that repeats itself continually throughout Game of Thrones history. Uh, If you look again at the history and lore sections, or uh, if you read the books, then obviously you know that. And musically, that's demonstrated by this second pattern here. It's basically the same kind of pattern as the first one, but it starts lower and it ends lower. It's it's like if you do the same thing, you're not going to be as high as you were before, especially if the first time around it was a mistake. But as the old saying goes, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Unfortunately, that was a guy who got everybody involved in World War II. But anyway, that's what happens. Here's the phrase, uh, if you don't succeed, try, try again. So we get a restatement of everything with the same results. It goes back up, restates the melody, and goes back down. And then we get into the B section of the piece. And now things change here in a lot of ways. But let's first just concentrate on the melodic shape and the harmony. The whole thing goes up. The melody itself goes up to new heights here. We, we get hope because we're suddenly rising above everything and looking down on it like this. But as you just heard again, The melody, even now, with all of its great height, it almost immediately begins dropping again, except at the end, which is a start to climb back up again. That's except for the second time that this B section comes around, because it drops all the way back down to the same place where the first melody ended. So instead of climbing up, you get a resolution down. So here's the second part of that B section. What is that saying well that's telling us that even when there is hope things can still fall apart on us or at least not be to the heights that we want so this melody is uh i liken it a lot to the famous reek statement to theon if you think this story has a happy ending you know yada 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 and that's the whole shape of the melody and how that works and the harmonies in that B section, are even more major sounding, happier sounding. We're resolving to what we call the relative major chord of that particular minor key. Now, you don't need to know these terms. All you need to know is that the B section sounds happier, uh, for the most part, through most of it, until you get to the end of it. And that's because, uh, you know, the melody is higher, the, the chords are major chords instead of minor chords, and that gives us a feeling of hope. Maybe our heroes someday can overcome this. And then just like we started with the accompanying motive, now we have a big way up higher than the melody's ever been, or at least as high as the melody's ever been. We have the motive uh, returning to end the tune. And then followed by an octave lower with bells trailing away going, what's going to happen next? That's just to build our excitement. That's that's the final end statement. All right, we've told you how the story's going to go. Now, here we go. Let's watch it together. That's basically what this last part does, this part right here. Um, So that's one way that we're looking at this particular melody. Another way that we're looking at this melody, uh, and this will be fairly quick before I let you go, is the timbres that are used and what do we mean by timbre that's t-i-m-b-r-e timbre uh, that means the kind of sound that any particular instrument makes like my voice even has a timbre that's what makes my voice sound like my voice or a cello has a particular timbre that's what makes it sound like a cello a drum has a particular timbre. What's the difference between a snare drum and a bass drum? They have different timbres. They have different pitches as well, but they also have different timbres. And that's how, if you listen to a lot of pop music, you'll notice that not all snare drums in music sounds the same. Some of them have different timbres, the thing that's clicking on two and four. Sometimes they add hand claps. That creates a whole new timbre. So that's what timbres are. And they can dramatically affect how a story is told as well. Not only through the emotion that they give us. Uh, For instance, the A sections of the melody have mostly a cello. And a cello is a very expressive instrument. It has a huge range. It can go very low. It can go very high. Uh, It can be triumphant. It can be sad. Uh, It's a great instrument of choice. Ramin Javadi chose a cello uh, simply because of its expressiveness and the ability to use it emotionally in different ways. But the cello is also, in a way, connected to all things that are Westeros. Remember, when we're hearing that melody with the cello, we're seeing mostly the map of Westeros. And it seems like we, until we get uh, to the B section, that's we never get over to Essos really until uh, the B section is starting to happen, and then we see some of the the uh, the music uh, change, and and as we see some of the map parts of Essos, and that's a whole different timbre. Uh, but just to show you how the cello is mostly associated with Westeros itself, think about the Stark theme; it has cello in it. How about the Lannister theme, which also has been demonstrated with Cello? So, the two main Westeros families right there demonstrated with cello and that's why you know i i think probably i don't know which order ramin developed things if he developed the main theme before he developed anything else but he probably said well you know i want to use a cello mainly throughout and let's face it the first part of this the first season other than danny you know getting dragons is really about the starks and the lannisters and so therefore he uh concentrated their melodies mainly around the cello, you still do hear the themes played with different instrumentation as we go along as well. I don't want to mislead or anything, but it's definitely different than say like Robert's melody when he comes to uh, Winterfell because his is mostly like trumpets and brass and everything and kingly things. Uh, But the, the main struggle in the first season and of course, nobody knew whether it was Game of Thrones was going to get another season or not at the time that they were making it. So Ramin was thinking, okay, well, we got the season where we have the Starks and the Lannisters. I've got cello in the main melody. Let's use that for that. But the interesting thing is also that when we do go over to Essos on the map and we do get to that B section of the melody, we have voices. If you listen, um, and there, I mean, there are strings and everything, but there, there, there's the addition of the vocal quality, and we have heard that associated with Danny and Essos a whole lot. Think about even just the uh, Lord of Light theme; how you can hear uh, kind of a vocal quality to that uh, in certain aspects. There's there's vocal chords like this. even danny's theme itself uh a lot of times with the finales uh you get these big vocal courses like the end of season three where she does her little uh, broadway show tune where she's getting lifted up by all of the the misa shouting people But a way to relate the voices even more to Essos is think about the end of season four where Arya is leaving for Essos. She's going to Braavos, right? She's getting on a boat. She's going to Braavos. What do we hear? We hear voices as she takes off for there. So there you go. The cello timbre is more in uh, Westerosi kind of thinking. It's very grounded. It can be gritty. It can be dirty. Uh, It can also be very loving, very expressive. Uh, And then you have Essos, which is kind of exotic and everything. And that's where the voices are. So there's a lot of different ways to break this melody down that Ramin, uh, I'm not going to tell you that he specifically thought about these things when he made it, because I'm not in his head. I can't read his mind. But there's a lot of things that we can glean from this that have rung true throughout the show. So if he said, oh, well, we were on the Essos part of the map when I was doing the voice thing, even though I didn't really intend it that way, he went ahead and adapted the rest of the melodies throughout the course of the show so that essos things have vocal qualities to them. Uh, so that's a timbral hint as to what things are happening in the show for Rameen. Thanks so much again for listening to this introductory or what they're calling in the business now Placeholder Podcast. Here's my last minute obligatory pleading with you. Please subscribe. Please follow me on Twitter at matt's G O T blog. And uh please also leave a written review of this podcast when you get a chance to. We'll start on April 30th. We're gonna do two episodes a week, Monday and Thursday. Uh, you'll get like a season one, episode one on Monday the 30th, and then you'll get uh, the second episode on that following Thursday. And we'll just go through each episode until we get through season six. And then we'll figure out what to do from there, uh, depending on how much time we have before Game of Thrones returns. I'll also have places for you to leave me feedback and I'll give you deadlines because I'll be pre-recording a lot of these podcasts But I'll give you deadlines so that I can live record uh, a podcast with your thoughts about each season as we go along as well. That's Matt's audio blog, M A T T S, audio blog at gmail.com. Thanks again to Scott Bradley and the postmodern jukebox for this great version of Sweet Child of Mine. See you on the 30th.